More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Six degrees from James Baker. That is a very interesting headline from Jonathan Turley. Why does the name James Baker matter? I'm going to explain it to you. He is a very familiar figure that has reemerged with the release of the Twitter files. The New York Post ran an article about the reemergence of James Baker, who is a former FBI general counsel. He is now at the center of the Twitter suppression scandal. As thousands of Twitter documents are released on the company's infamous censorship program, which was much bigger than the Hunter Biden laptop, Much has been confirmed about the use of back channels by Biden and Democratic officials to silence critics on the social media platform for years. One familiar name immediately popped out in the first batch of documents released through the journalists that was handpicked by Elon Musk. The name is James Baker. Now, for many, James Baker is fast becoming the Kevin Bacon of the Russian collusion scandal. Baker has been featured repeatedly in the Russian investigations launched by the Justice Department. And again, this is going to get complicated, so I need you to understand. I'm going to try to stop and explain along the way. James Baker was involved in the Russian uh, collusion investigation that was launched by the Justice Department. He was involved in the hoax involving the Russian Alpha Bank. When Clinton campaign lawyer... Michael Sussman, for example, wanted to plant the bizarre false claim of a secret communications channel between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. It was the guy by the name of James Baker. James Baker was his go-to high-up contact on speed dial at the DOJ. Now, Baker would actually later testify at Sussman's trial, in fact. Baker's name also appeared prominently in controversies related to the other Russian-related FBI allegations against Donald Trump. Then he was effectively forced out of his role in the government in the deep state due to his role and reportedly found himself under criminal investigation. Then he became a defender of the Russian investigations despite the findings of bias and even criminal conduct. He was also a frequent target of Donald Trump on social media, including Twitter. So what did Baker do? Baker responded with public criticism of Trump for his, quote, false narratives as he said, I'm not going to take it anymore. He was forced out of the FBI. 
And when he was forced out of the FBI because of all of his shady work and his corruption at the FBI, pushing false narratives, being on speed dial for the DNC, Hillary Clinton and Michael Sussman, and he knew that the entire Russian collusion scandal was a hoax, he needed a new job. So where'd he go? You ready for this? He went to none other than Twitter. This guy comes out of the deep state as a disgraced individual. He comes out of the FBI. Everybody knows he's a scumbag, con artist, liar, and pushed the Russian collusion scandal, and he knew it was a lie from the very beginning. This is the same guy that helped bury information that was actually damning to Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Hillary Clinton. He then leaves in disgrace from the FBI, and immediately Twitter says, yep, we want to hire you. Not only are we going to hire you, but we're going to make you the deputy general counsel of Twitter. Baker soon became involved in another alleged back channel with a presidential campaign. This time it was Twitter that maintained the non-public channels with the Biden campaign. And to be clear, Baker didn't stop there with just the Biden campaign. He continued to communicate when Joe Biden became the president and communicated directly with the White House. In fact, Baker then weighed in with the same signature bias that characterized the Russian investigations. Weeks before the 2020 presidential election, the New York Post ran that explosive story about the laptop abandoned by Hunter Biden. It contained emails and records detailing a multi-million dollar influence peddling operation by the Biden crime family. And not only was Joe Biden's son Hunter and brother James Biden involved in the deals with an array of dubious foreign figures, more than 50 countries that were going after and the worst people in the world, including Russian oligarchs and the Chinese Communist Party. But Joe Biden was referenced as a recipient or the possible recipient of funds from all of these deals known as the big guy. The Bidens have been long accused of influence peddling, nepotism and other forms of corruption. Moreover, the campaign was not denying that the laptop was Hunter Biden's. In fact, they weren't denying any of it. They weren't denying the key emails that actually confirmed from other parties involved that this was his laptop. They knew not to say it wasn't real, because if they did, then they would be held to pay. Instead, the Biden team requested and used their Democratic operatives to just make the story disappear. Twitter instantly moved to block the story. Why? Because now we know from the emails internally that they were given a heads up before the story even broke so that they were ready to suppress the story and silence the story. And anyone that shared it, even through direct messages, those links would be blocked and they'd be treated like they were sharing child pornography. That's not a joke. Now, before I get into more of this story, I want to say thank you and tell you about our good friends at Patriot Mobile. They are America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They want to make it easy for you to try switching to Patriot Mobile from whatever service you have right now. You can give them 60 days to show you why I use Patriot Mobile and why you should make the switch. Right now, when you try Patriot Mobile for two months, you get your third month free, plus you get free activation. Now, they offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks, and they use the same exact cell towers of all of the three other major carriers. You're going to get the same coverage you have right now. You get the same great service. You get to keep your same cell phone number if you want to. You can even usually use the same phone you have in your hand right now. Now, why do you want to switch? When you do, they actually stand up for our First and Second Amendment rights, and they give a portion of your bill every month back to conservative Christian causes that we all believe in. 
So if you're ready to support a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and our freedoms, just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. Or you can call them, 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. If you're fed up with woke companies that don't care about your values, support a company that actually does. Make the switch today. Get a free month of service plus free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson or 972-PATRIOT. All right, now, so when they decided to shut down the story, they knew why and how and when before the people publishing the story knew what the response was going to be. It even suspended those who tried to share the allegations with others. One of those that was hit was White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, who was suspended for linking to the scandal and giving information about the laptop. So even inside of Twitter, the move actually raised serious concerns over the company serving as a censor for the Biden campaign. The global communications director, Brandon Borman, who asked if the company would, quote, truthfully claim that this is part of the policy for barring posts and suspending users. Baker quickly jumped in to support the censorship and said that it's reasonable for us, meaning Twitter, to assume that they may have hacked to get the information and caution is warranted. He's the chief counsel. Are you going to listen to him? Obviously they did. Now, keeping in mind that he knew that the laptop was real because he came from the FBI, he knew all of this was real. He knew he was lying on behalf of Twitter at that moment in time, doing the bidding for the Democratic Party and the Biden campaign. Also, he knew that there was never any evidence that the material was actually hacked. Moreover, there was no evidence of Russian involvement in the laptop. Indeed, the U.S. intelligence quickly rejected the Russian disinformation claim. Baker knew all of this because he used to be at the FBI. However, he insisted that there was, quote, reasonable assumption that the Russians were behind another major scandal. It's the same guy that pushed the Russian collusion scandal the first time and decided to go all in to try to get rid of Donald Trump because the deep state hated him. It's called a coup attempt. So faced with a major scandal implicating Joe Biden, and the corrupt selling of access to foreign governments and foreign figures, including some with foreign intelligence associations with the Chinese Communist Party and the Kremlin, Baker's natural default was to kill the story at Twitter and stop others from sharing the allegations because he knew the story was real. These newly released documents also may show why Twitter was so eager to hire Baker from the FBI despite his role in the Russian collusion controversies. They knew he was a liar. They knew he was an operative of the Democratic Party. What likely would have been a liability for most companies seemed to actually draw Twitter to him. For censors and political operatives within Twitter, Baker likely seemed like a made man, quote unquote, for a company committed to systemic censorship of conservative information. He would be working with the chief legal officer at the company who functioned as the company's chief censor. The same person who said, I'm not going to allow Donald Trump on the platform any longer and we're going to ban him on January 6th. Now, Gabe was widely revealed by free speech advocates for her dismissal of free speech principles and open political bias at Twitter. And that is who James Baker worked with. Not unexpectedly, Gabe and Baker would play prominent roles 
in all aspects of the suppression of the Hunter Biden scandal. There was hardly a need to round up the, quote, usual suspects in the suppression scandal when Musk took over the company. Both lawyers swatted down internal misgivings to bury a story that could well have made the difference in the close 2020 election. It's striking, by the way, how many of the figures and institutions involved in Russian collusion claims are within six degrees of James Baker. Not only did Baker work closely with fired FBI director James Comey and other key figures at the Justice Department, but he was an acquaintance of key Clinton figures like Sussman, who pushed the false collusion allegations to the FBI. In fact, he was also hired by the Brookings Institute, which also was a curious Bacon-like role in the original and development of the false Russian collusion allegations. None of these means that Baker was the driving force of the scandal. To the contrary, Baker earned his bones in Washington as a facilitator, a reliable and relatable ally to the Democratic causes when it came to the business of the Beltway. It is hardly a surprise that Baker found a home at Twitter where caution was always warranted in dealing with potentially damaging story or stories for Democratic interests. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. There's something else that also just broke, and, and, and it puts it in perspective about the corruption and within the media and Twitter and everything else. And it's, this is just a reminder that this isn't really just about Biden. Time magazine has now made their man of the year Zelensky, one of the most corrupt and shady individuals in Ukraine. These are the types of people that the media pushes and, and is obsessed with. We're sending money over to Ukraine. We have no idea where the money's going. There's no audit of the money. We're giving them more money than the Russian military spends on their military in an entire year. All because we've decided he's somehow our guy. This is a guy that has now turned into nothing more than a movie star. And immediately, Time Magazine's like, got to be our person of the year. That's what our media really is. Now, let me go back to another issue here. John Levine saying on Fox News Channel, we really need to see what the FBI was doing with Twitter. We need to see the emails that were going in and out of the FBI, or at least the ones we can see to Twitter. And that's part of what Musk may be working on now. Take a listen. So let's bring in John Levine, a reporter for the New York Post. And good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, we're making habit out of these Monday mornings here. I want to go to call for number six. We heard a soundbite from Miranda Devine, but I just want to emphasize this for clarity for our audience. Uh, her headline, FBI warned Twitter during weekly meetings of Hunter Biden hack and leak operation before censoring the post. Here's the line. The extraordinary revelation for the first time lays bare how the FBI was involved in pre-bunking the story of the laptop, which had been in the Bureau's possession, the laptop, for almost a year. Right. Well, it's key to remember that, you know, we didn't reach out to the FBI and say, here's the story we're planning to write a year in advance. They knew about it because they had access to Rudy Giuliani's cloud. They were spying on him for a year before the publication of our story. 
through other investigations they were running. So they knew of the existence of the laptop. And I'll remind you, when Joe Biden was vice president, they surely would have known of all of Hunter's schemes in foreign countries at that time as well. So they reach out to Yoel Roth, the head of Twitter's site integrity, and they're having weekly meetings with him to talk about, well, you're going to be getting hacks, and they're going to be about Hunter. And we know this because Yoel Roth said in a sworn affidavit as part of another lawsuit that he's involved with that these meetings happened. And I think something we didn't see in the initial trove of documents with Matt Taibbi was more you know, meat on these bones about the FBI's involvement. And that's something I'm hoping subsequent disclosures will reveal. The other thing I thought was interesting is you had James Baker, who was the general counsel at Twitter, who had worked in, at the FBI under Comey, right. making decisions. And when the general counsel of your company comes to you and says, look, it, you know what, it, it's not clear cut, but I think out of an abundance of caution, we ought to censor it. Right. The, the general counsel of, of the FBI, now right. the general counsel of Twitter, Twitter. Right. And, and he was also involved in a lot of the FBI's discredited Steele dossier you know, investigations. Yes. So what are we to take of this? The media says the Steele dossier, Russia, this is the story, but don't look at Hunter Biden. Interesting. Go ahead. The mm -hmm. um, decision on behalf of major media organizations to virtually ignore what was dumped over the weekend is stunning. It may not be surprising to you. What comes next to you? Think? It is not surprising to me. No. You know, what comes next are the House investigations, I feel. I mean, hopefully, actually, what comes next will be more disclosures from Musk, and we'll see what Barry Weiss what do you puts think, out. What, what else do you think is out there to be learned from additional disclosures that Musk is talking about? I think we really need to see what the FBI was doing with Twitter. We need to see what emails were going to Yoel Roth. We need to see what Twitter was saying back to them. Uh, we also need to see what tw uh, the FBI and the intelligence agencies were sending to Facebook and to Google and to see whether the suppression of this information was more widespread because wow. Facebook, as you know, also they were going to do a fact check and then they suppressed the, the story and pending the results of a fact check that never arrived. And we know f that Mark Zuckerberg was on Joe Rogan and he said they had also been reached out to do by the FBI. So uh, on that note, you've got an incoming new Congress now. Republicans right. are going to run these committees and Kevin McCarthy was talking about exactly that issue over the weekend with Maria. Call for number seven, guys, soundbite. Now we need to start looking at Facebook, at Google. These now have become arms of the Democratic Party, arms of the Biden administration, but they also used the intel community as well to lie to the American public. Should those people keep their clearances? Should those people still be allowed to have information? Let's see what they do with hearings, but we've been here before, John, and they pretty much went nowhere out of Washington. What kills me is, it was kind of a buried lead in the original Taibbi tweets was all these members of Congress saying, this is the last straw. We've crossed the Rubicon. You can't censor the free press. We're, we're going to do something. And then nothing happened. Mm -hmm. We've had two, it was two years ago, and nothing has happened. There were a couple of hearings. I know some senators screamed at Jack Dorsey, and there were some good YouTube videos out of it, but nothing happened. So I'm hoping now, in a Republican Congress, we might start to see real teeth. Well, and I think that these 51 national security people that signed on to this idea that it was Russian disinformation, right. I, I think it's very interesting how they got to that how they got to that conclusion, right. and a House hearing could possibly expose that. By the way, all these people that signed that letter, let's go back to that, right? Remember, right before the election, all of these different former FBI, CIA directors signed on to this letter saying that they believe that the laptop was, in fact, Russian disinformation. 
They all came out with this letter, made big news, and that gave cover to the media to not cover the scandal or to at least cover it by saying this is crap and not real. That's why they wrote that letter. I cannot wait to see who started that letter, who orchestrated that letter, what will come out of Twitter on that letter. And, the, and, and those in Congress, when the Republicans take control, Kevin McCarthy should bring them before hearings in Congress as former directors immediately and say, all right, tell us how you got to the conclusion, guys. Who organized you? Who put you guys up to this? And were you guys acting on behalf of a presidential campaign? What jobs were you offered? What were you promised for pulling this off, for doing this? Those are questions that should be asked. Those are important questions that should be asked. And that's what John Levine is saying here. We really know now that the FBI was meeting weekly. Okay, it was meeting weekly with big tech. Now, this is not just Twitter. Okay, this is not just Twitter. This is something that's going to keep happening at all of the big tech. I want to know how much of this is happening, uh, for example, at Facebook, at Google, at YouTube. Miranda Devine said, quote, that the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop, as she now has described, it was pre-ordered by the Intel community because they were spying on all the people that were doing the investigation into the laptop within the media. Well, I think what Elon Musk failed to deliver was the crucial bit about the censorship, which was that it was pre-ordered by the FBI. At the, that point um, in the weeks before the 2020 election, uh, the FBI was uh, meeting with these big tech companies, with Google, Apple, Twitter um, and Facebook on a weekly basis. And it was uh, talking to them about disinformation. Now, specifically. Well, let me just say this about the weekly meetings. It, it, I can't imagine that every single damn week you had enough intel to be sharing, I just can't see it. I can't understand it. I can't imagine it, okay? I, I, I really can't. I cannot imagine that there was enough intel to justify the weekly meetings. Now, I do believe that there was probably enough people that you wanted to silence, okay, every week for saying things on social media about you. Now, that I believe. I'm sure a weekly meeting of saying, hey, I need you to get rid of this. I need you to get rid of that. I need you to get rid of this. I need you to move this. I need you to silence this. I need you to get rid of these tweets. I mean, we see it now in these internal emails that have been released by Elon Musk. The Democratic Party was sending emails on a regular basis to Twitter with some people that were famous and some that were nobodies, but their tweets had gone viral that were critical, okay, that were critical, that were mean. They were mean-spirited or critical. And so what they decided to do then was just silence or ban them, shut them down, shut them off, make sure that those tweets never saw the light of day. That was the whole goal and narrative and objective of the weekly meetings. There wasn't enough national security issues to be meeting with Big Tech every week. What the FBI did was they said, hey, we are acting on behalf of of the Democratic Party, and weekly we need to meet with you to tell you things that we really want you and need you to silence. That's what we are going to do. And that's exactly what they did. 
Quickly, I also want to say thank you to our sponsor. Without them, this podcast wouldn't exist. And Legacy Precious Metals is wanting to help you diversify your financial portfolio. If you've been freaking out over what's happening with your IRA, with your 401k, with your investments on Wall Street, the question is, did you invest in gold or silver? Did you diversify your investments so that there is a hedge with your portfolio for inflation? Well, that's exactly what gold and silver has done for so many. It is a hedge to protect when it comes to inflation. Right now is actually a great time for you to protect your investments with gold and silver. No, you didn't miss the opportunity. No, it's not too late. So calling it the investor's guide from the company that not only do I use, but I also trust. Online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also call them and get the investor's guide for free. 1-866-751-2218. 1-866-751-2218. Also, reminder, make sure you hit that auto-download or subscribe button now so that you can get this podcast every day for free. Uh, and make sure you share this podcast on social media by hitting that little forward button right now. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So there's a couple things that are standing out in these drops, uh, the Twitter documents, and that is the corruption um, within the FBI, the deep state, the White House went far beyond, okay, far, far beyond just the Hunter Biden story. Really, the Hunter Biden story didn't matter that much, right? Biden's campaign isn't the government. Twitter made a private decision to limit the Hunter Biden story is now the official response of the Democratic Party saying this is totally fine. It's fine for the Democratic Party. They're now claiming it's totally normal for the DNC, the Democratic Party, to look at Twitter to do the silencing of their political enemies. This is how fast the media is coalescing behind this idea. MSNBC had an entire segment dedicated to this. And here is what they said, saying, hold on. Just because the Biden campaign was sending emails to Twitter and telling Twitter which Republicans, which conservatives, which tweets to make disappear, which people to kick off their platform, doesn't actually mean that they did anything wrong. That's their official line. And they're going to sell this to the public because now they're having to admit, okay, everything we told you was not happening is in fact happening. Listen to this from MSNBC. Complained about the collapse of civility on the site. They're not wrong, and recent data backs their observations. Soon after Musk acquired the platform, which hosts around six, uh, 450 million active monthly users, he issued a general amnesty that restored hundreds of accounts belonging to far-right figures, white nationalists, and QAnon adherents. And you can imagine what happened next. But here it is in numbers. 
Slurs against black Americans increased by 202 percent after Musk took over, according to The New York Times. Slurs against gay men spiked by 58 percent. And anti-Semitic posts soared more than 61 percent in the two weeks after Musk acquired the site. Musk also brought back controversial far-right figures like the neo-Nazi Andrew Anglin, the editor of The Daily Stormer, an openly racist and fascist publication. For Musk, who calls himself a free speech absolutist, the act of restoring previously restricted accounts is some kind of crucial to free big tech from imaginary control by the political left. To assert this point, just this week, he... Hold on, the imaginary left? The actual emails from Twitter show that there's not an imaginary left that was controlling Twitter. It was the actual left, the Democratic National Committee... And the Democratic Party and the Democratic White House, it was sending emails to Twitter saying, ban these people. It's in their own words. We have the files. Second thing, when you hear MSNBC here say, oh, well, this is, you know, he's bringing back all of these horrible, terrible people and all these racists and bigots and all this is happening. You have to understand something. I believe you should have the right to burn the American flag. That's what freedom actually is. I also might kick your AWS if I see you do it. There are a lot of things that people say on the Democratic side, for example, that I disagree with. Okay? I do. I disagree with it. I, de- I, de- I disagree with it wholeheartedly. I can't stand Many of the things that the Democratic Party actually says and actually stands for. Do I believe they should be silenced or shut down? Of course not. Because that's what freedom of speech is about. And that's what Elon Musk is doing. Do I believe that the KKK should have the right to exist? Yes. Do I believe that those that hate white people should have a right to exist? Yes. Does that mean that I don't denounce them? Does that mean that we don't expose them or mock them or, 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 or make it clear who they really are? Do you have the right to say terrible things? Yes, because when you start limiting free speech, and yes, we have limits on it, like you can't scream fire in a crowded theater, right? We have laws like that that make sense. But what the Democratic Party was doing What the White House was doing was saying, we get to decide what free speech is okay and what free speech is not okay. We are the arbiters of what can and cannot be said. So bringing people back to Twitter, the way that Elon Musk has allowed them to come back to Twitter with still having rules is truly about freedom of speech. And when we start limiting free speech, not when we start, we have. The Democratic Party has been limiting free speech. Big tech at Google has been limiting free speech. They've been picking winners and losers with emails. YouTube has been picking winners and losers with content. Facebook has been silencing and censoring and and, and shutting down and, and suppressing conservative viewpoints, picking winners and losers. And that's what MSNBC is saying right now. They're saying it's okay to silence and censor and shut people down. We believe in that because we only believe what should be said are the things that we believe you should be able to say. We will tell you what you can say and what you can't say. We will tell you what stories you can put out there and which ones you can't. 
And the stories that we don't like, like the Hunter Biden laptop story, because it obviously does something very big, right? What it does is huge. What it does is show the corruption of the Biden crime family. And they knew it was going to cost the election and they couldn't afford that. They had to get rid of Donald Trump and they interfered in our elections. That's, isn't that what Democrats we go back to? They knew, by the way, that the Russian collusion story was a hoax because they created it. They funded it. They wrote the movie script. We know that. The Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign came up with it and paid for it. Right? And paid for it. I'm going to say it again. And paid for it. We know that. We know it 100%. And they used it to try to overthrow the will of the people. Everyone understand what you're up against. This is what they do in third world countries. This is what they also do in places like Iran, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Venezuela, Cuba, China, and Russia. And that is what they are saying is the only thing that is acceptable. Those are the only things that are acceptable to believe and or say. And you want me to feel sorry for the people involved at Twitter for being exposed or at Facebook who are going to be exposed? Give me a break. I'm not going to feel sorry for any of them. And why should any of us feel sorry for them? They were the ones that were rigging the election. Was the election rigged at this point? I think it's very clear it was rigged. When the entire media is silencing a real news story because they know that story will cost a candidate the election, how can you say that's not a rigged election? That is the definition of a rigged election. Was Donald Trump right pretty much every time? He said, they're spying on me. He was right. They said he was crazy. Was he right when he said that Republicans were being silenced and suppressed? Yes, he was absolutely right when he said that. Was he right when he said that the media is corrupt to the core? Yes, he was right when he said that. When he said that the media picks winners and losers and the media doesn't do their job and and that they are fake news, was he right? Yes. Make sure, by the way, that you share this podcast with your family and friends. Hit that little forward arrow and text it or put it on social media while the media does everything it can to try to shut you down silence us and make sure no one knows what's really happening also hit that auto download or subscribe button so you get this podcast each and every day for free and i'll see you back here tomorrow more than a movie is back with season two i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts Avido, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. 
Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 